Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double breasted black blazer from a new to me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for, but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We all know how vital it is to pare down to-dos to the most essential things, but what do you do when what's left is still a recipe for burnout? Welcome to About Progress. I'm Monica Packer, a regular mom and recovering perfectionist who uncovered the truest model to dramatic but lasting personal growth. It's progress made practical. Join us to leave the extremes behind and instead learn how to do something to grow in ways that stick. If you like this podcast, then you'll love my foundational course on identity called Finding Me. Everything that you want to improve on from your habits to your relationships, it all comes back to knowing who you are and what matters to you. Finding Me will help you figure that out. Join now with our new free buddy pass at aboutprogress.com slash finding me. I remember reading essentialism for the first time while we were on a giant getaway to a cabin with our friends and all of our kids. I was bunkering down in this dark room with a sleeping baby, and I was trying to guard him from getting woken up by older kids who were also in the same room. And while I was guarding him, I opened up my Kindle, and I began to read this book that changed so much for me. And in that moment, I even could not stop reading it, so much so that I ended up missing a lot of the fun that adults were having outside the room, but it was okay. From Greg McEwen's masterpiece, I learned how to pare down my life to what mattered most. It was an empowering relief for me, especially in a world where I felt like people were far more likely to promote hustling to have it all, pretending doing it all didn't lead to burnout. While this book influenced me so much, 
I found that even after essentializing my life, my responsibilities still outweighed my ability to uphold them in a way that felt easy to maintain. Burnout still seemed to loom around the corner. So imagine my huge relief to read Greg's latest book, Effortless, and see that even he, as the creator of this movement, found himself similarly spread too thin with his carefully chosen priorities. Essentialism, choosing what matters most over what matters less, is still life-changing. But after you answer the question, what is essential? Greg now knows that next, you must answer, how can I make what is essential effortless? It turns out that even what we prioritize need to be simplified even further in order to avoid the dreaded burnout. Today, we are so thrilled to have Greg McEwen on the show. He'll share how to both prioritize and ease what matters most in your life, from your responsibilities to your relationships and how rest, yes, I said rest, must, must, must be one of those prioritized responsibilities. Greg is the author of Essentialism and Effortless and a podcaster at the top-rated What is Essential podcast. He's a father of four and husband to Anna, and he consults prestigious businesses and people all over the world. And today, he is here for us, this little podcast, because our audience is essential to him. An audience of real women leading real lives that matter so very much. Thank you so much for joining us on About Progress. Oh, it is so nice to be with you. Thank you. Well, it's a huge honor. Your first book often is described as life-changing. And it was for me, Essentialism. It's, it's a book I read every year and it helps people understand what matters most. And it's so clarifying, but even you found as the, the head of this thought movement that really took the world by storm, even mm. you struggled with living that out because it turns out there are a lot of really important essential <laughs> things. So how did you come to knowing that what was next was to better help people work through all what was important for them? Well, I'm, I, I want to answer that question. But first, I want to connect with something I think that's really important, which is that I sort of in secret wrote the both Essentialism and the new book Effortless for the people who listen to your podcast. Really? And, and yes, because, because the heart of both of them this is really literally true. It's not, it's not like a little line. It's, it's was, was I, I, the, the first version of essentialism was a book written for a different publisher. We never went very far with it. Uh, and it was called something different at that time, but it was years before. And, and it was to, to a publisher that had the audience primarily of women aged, let's say 35 to 55, who are dealing with all of the, the, just the unbelievable challenges and responsibilities of of that that stage in life there's always this core of it that is you know the these the people listening right now people who feel stretched too thin at work or at home feel busy but not necessarily productive feel 
Their mm. diet day is endlessly hijacked by other people uh, <laughs> within their own families often, right? Yes. I mean, children. <laughs> yes. Tapping on us all the time. Mind feels crazy by the end of the day. I mean, that's that's who it's to. And it's not just mm. that because the, it's not just because these you know, the people listening to this happen to have that struggle and I happen to want to address those challenges is because this, the people listening, like you right now who are listening to this conversation right now matters so much, so much more disproportionately than is obvious, so much more than mm. is is clearly stated in modern life. And, and, and so now coming full circle from there to the question you asked is just, is just after writing essentialism and trying to live it too and struggling with it and failing with it and so on, it, 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 it became clear to me that my life, and I'm sure people can relate to this, that sometimes in life, it's just like, I, yeah, I, I've stripped out the non-essentials, but the essentials alone are more than I can possibly do. Yeah. And as soon as you face that, and every responsible woman does all the time, I mean, that's sort of life. That's where, that's where Effortless, the new book, begins. And I didn't write it because I thought life is effortless. I wrote it because I know full well that life approximates suffering for almost everybody almost all the time. That was true in my life, but it's true in other people's lives. And that's why Effortless deserved to be born. And even that word, I mean, it sounds almost too good to be true. You know, you just kind of hear effortless and you think, well, who's that for? And I love that you're saying this is for you. This is for, this is exactly who it's for. It's for the people who have too much good things to do, especially with the, the word you use responsibilities. That's actually a huge word in our community is because we feel both the honor of it and the overwhelming impossibility of them all. Completely. You know. Well, I mean, you, your, your reaction to that was the same reaction my wife Anna had when I first pitched this idea. Now, now to really? me, to be a member of my to my immediate family is to be uh, semi-employed uh, <laughs> in in brainstorming book titles and subtitles. Yeah, I, I obsess around that more than I would say the, maybe even the average author. And so, I could do it right now. I could walk into any room with any person, child, teenager, my wife, and just say a word, and they would know what I was talking about. I would just yeah. say. What about this? And they'd be like, yeah, I kind of like that. No, that's not, I don't get it. I don't know. And they just get immediate reaction. And, and Anna's only ever concern about effortless was like, this is just unreachable. You know, is mm. it too much? Hmm. And, and I, I weighed that up a lot. And, and I mean, there was an alternative subtitle for effortless was because not everything has to be so hard. Yeah. And there was something about that. I'd put that out one time on social media and somebody responded, a, a woman responded and she said, I feel seen when I hear that phrase. Hmm. And, and that's the, you know, again, that's the heart of this is like, if life were effortless, there's no justification to write a book called that. Yeah. There's a group of people. I reckon people listening to this know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a group of people, let's call them the, the, the in the hit squad. This is the hardworking, intelligent, talented group of people and they have learned by experience and by culture and so on that the way to better results is to push harder 
And, and they, not only that, they want better results. I mean, maybe it's a businessy way of saying it, but it's like they want 10x results, much better results for, for the, their own lives, for their own health, for their, for their children, for, for the family, for friends. I mean, they want much better results. But that's where it starts to get complicated, like what I'd say the 10x dilemma, because no one in the hit squad, no one listening to this can work 10 times harder. Mm. You want 10 times better results and you've been taught that the only way to get better results is to work harder. And then you think, okay, well, the only way to get it is by 10x hard work. Then either you give up on essential important things before you begin, because it's of course you can't do that. Or you say, well, I can't do it, but I have to sacrifice, you know, I have to give more. It's so important. I'll just, and, and you end up sort of killing off the asset that is you more of your sleep, more of your sanity. You know, they, they can't, if they can't see me, if they can't value me, you know, then I, fine, I won't value myself. I'll, you approach burnout all the time. Yep. And, and so then every request of you is like a pound of flesh, you know, and, and, and actually you are kind of killing yourself off and they are killing you off. And it is real. I mean, I think that there's only two kinds of people in the world right now. Maybe there's only two kinds of women listening to this right now. Group one is the women listening to this who are burned out. And then the other group is the group who know they are burned out. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's it. And, and mm-hmm. if you get the second category, then you can do something about it. And, and I'm just trying with effortless and with essentialism to try to help people in exactly that situation say, okay, maybe there are ways to break through to higher contribution without burning out. You know, there's a different way to do life that is not what we've been maybe taught or heard in the culture, or hustle culture and all these things that get emphasized, but, but, but you actually can, but it's a different way. And it's a different way that has been sold to us thus far. Mm-hmm. I think that definitely comes to mind with motherhood in general. You know, you're just kind of sold both a bill of goods, but also a bill of built-in expectations of what the responsibilities are. And they're massive. And this is for every parent, but motherhood is a little bit different. The amount of pressure that is aggrandized by both like the martyr mother culture, like we're more celebrated, the more that we have lost ourselves and sacrificed ourselves, which means as you know, we have nothing to give from that burnout, or there's the other pendulum swing where we never feel like we can do enough. So we're fighting both of those at the same time. So if you had that in mind, what would you say to the woman who, you know, maybe they, they've read essentialism and they're familiar with your work there of trying to be more essential, which I think is the first half of what they need to do. And then from there, how does, what would effortless look like? for them from there. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's just start with something really, uh, really simple and easy on this. And it's, it's to invert. And what I mean by it is that, is that insecure overachievers, Hmm. uh, mothers or otherwise, Mm -hmm. I think that we've kind of covered this, that, that you have to solve things through just more effort, pushing harder, doing more, sacrificing more. In fact, sacrificial is the only righteous path in life, let's say. And of course, sacrifice has a role. I mean, I'm not advocating selfishness in anything, but 
there's also an unhealthy way to take these things. And that is, that's who I'm speaking to. Mm-hmm. And, and what you can do, let's, let's say it invert. Maybe people could remember George Costanza in, in Seinfeld where he has that episode. Do you remember the episode where they do everything opposite? Oh yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. So he's, he's a total failure his whole life. And then he's like, <laughs> maybe I should just do the opposite of my intuition. I should just do the opposite. And everything starts working for him. Yeah. In the same way, that's what I mean by invert. It's almost like a mindset shift. Anything you're doing, any new project, any new request, anything you believe is essential. So the first question, is it essential? Is it non-essential? If it's non-essential, let's not do it. If it's essential, then you have a second question. Okay, am I making this harder than it needs to be? Mm-hmm. Or is there an effortless way to achieve this? There's a, a BYU manager who I was having a sort of an impromptu coaching conversation with who is the kind of person who stays up till 4 a.m. in the morning, photoshopping for the young women's group the next day. And and no one's asking you to do that. No one is expecting her to do that. That is, and yet she thinks that's the only way to do better. She she said to me, I feel guilty if I eat lunch. Wow. Stop for lunch. Not if I take time out for lunch. If I eat lunch, I feel guilty. See, I mean, that's what we're talking about. That's Mm. where... That's where a whole approach and mindset is uh, that that's not only to diminishing returns, it's like negative returns. So you're going to make everything worse. You're going to burn out yourself, then burn out your relationships. I mean, that isn't going to work in anything like the long run. Well, I said to it, like invert, ask a different question. And that's really what I'm getting to a specific new question. Don't ask, how can I just make this happen, push harder, give more, sacrifice more. You say, how can I make it effortless to achieve this outcome? That was the, mm. that was it. That's the question. Now, what happens is that she gets a call from a professor at BYU the next day. He says, listen, I, I, I'd like you to get your videography team to come and record my class for the semester. In the past, she wouldn't have asked any questions. She wouldn't have paused. She'd have just been like, on it. I'm going to impress him. I'm going to wow him. And, and she had visions already immediately of, I'm going to have We'll have multiple cameras in the room. We'll record it all. We'll edit it together. We'll have music at the beginning and the end. And we'll have slides and we'll have graphics. And it's going to be great. A four-month project. And then she remembers the coaching. But is there an effortless way to get what he really wants? Well, what does he really want? Oh, it turns out this is for one student who's going to miss a few classes because of an athletic commitment. And, uh, And so she says, well, what if we just had somebody in the class record on, you know, the phone and just you know, send it to that one student whenever he's going to miss. Yeah. Professor's like, oh yeah, I mean, he was overcomplicating everything. Oh. <laughs> he hadn't thought about it. He's like, oh yeah, that's great. That solves everything. Perfect. Mm-hmm. So my play, I'll just say that to him, done. 10 minutes conversation based on this inverted question saves four months of work for a whole team of people. And, 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 and that's the idea. That's the power of asking that question not once not twice you just keep asking it and asking it you'll be un- just be amazed at how often there are solutions far simpler far easier ways to achieve a noble end so the first question is what is essential and and the second, I'm just making sure I got this clear. And the second question is, how, how can I make this effortless? Yeah. 
And so with the first one, can we go back to that a little bit? I know that you have a whole book on it. Let's just refer people to that. But I want to speak to one part of this that I see women really struggling with, and it's the acceptance of trade-offs as they are essentializing. Any advice on how to better handle just what comes up emotionally with, you know, choosing some trade-offs? Yes. I mean, let, let's just, let's just define trade-offs. Trade-off is that, that you, when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and the idea really is to accept it, is to be honest about it. We have been so sold the idea that there should be no trade-offs. You can divide demographically people over the last, sort of, let's say 50 years and, and lots of groups have, have done much, much better. But generally speaking, and we don't have time to get into all the data of it, but women have, and working women have, have become less happy over that period. Hmm. And that bucks the trend. Hmm. And, you know, one can, you know, only hypothesize as to why. But one reason I think is that is, is this idea you, you not only can have it all, which I think itself is not true, but, but that you should have it all. And that the price for having it all is doing it all. Yeah. So all you have to do is do it all and then you can have it all and you should. And if you, if you aren't, don't have it all is because you aren't doing enough and, and because you aren't measuring up. I mean, that, that is such, that is such a recipe for unhappiness because let's, let's just look at the I minute mean, because it's based in lies, right? You cannot do it all. So like that premise is wrong. And if you, and you can't have it all either. Like nobody yeah. can, what, what an even thing to say. And you certainly yeah. can't have it all at once, you know, all right now. So it's like, you can have anything, but not everything. And so suddenly what, what comes out of this, the, the idea of trade-off is to embrace trade-offs, to celebrate it, to rejoice in it. Mm. Because what's really hidden inside of trade-offs is, is, is strategic advantage. That you can say, I'm not trying to be this. And I'm not interested in being like that person or what they've achieved. It's great for them. Go for it. You be that. You be you. That's, you don't have to judge that. I'm not, I don't want to do that. I want to be this kind of person. I want to have this kind of experience in life. And, and so the trade-offs are celebrating the yes and saying, I want to make trade-offs so that I can reinforce the strategy I actually want to not just pursue a strategy by default, that has been laid out, but you know, and sold in in in, you know, in magazines and social media endlessly. Yes, endlessly is totally the right word for that. Next up, Greg will share more practical tips on how to essentialize and ease our most important priorities. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. You know, I was thinking as uh, you were talking about how what truly is essential for, I think, every human on earth, it comes down to relationships. And yet that's the very thing that seems to be forfeited when we are trying to fulfill our responsibilities that are related to those relationships so often, especially for those who do a lot of care work at home. And, and that's where both, you know, both of those questions you brought up earlier, I think are so helpful, but also just, you know, what you're saying about trade-offs, like that's effortless too. to make something effortless. You have to choose a different way. You have to choose that you have to celebrate the yes you want as part of that. So do you have any advice? There are some predictable things that, 
that that women will or people in generally actually but yes. we've been emphasizing emphasizing women for this podcast and this conversation but but we'll we'll typically put down first and my experience with this is the first thing that you will put down the first essential thing you will you will neglect is is health huh. your personal health yes uh, yeah sleep mm-hmm. uh, eating drinking water exercise right we know what they are but those are the things that normally get put down first and the second thing that gets put down is our closest most important relationships as it happens the, the i'm working on a new book and the, the the new book is 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 centered in relationships and that's great so and, yeah. and, and, and in communication and in understanding each other and hmm. so so i think one of the things i would just answer is, is that i think it, the key to, to being able to sort of apply essentialism to relationships and effortlessness to relationships is to, is to recognize like I have got to invest in understanding the other person and understanding myself. Like understanding and being understood, this is to me a human's deepest need to be seen, hmm. to be heard, to, to, to feel like you matter, and, and we all want that, but because we go about it perhaps in, the, in slightly the wrong way, like we want that those needs to be met, we often miss what actually matters to each other. We don't understand precisely enough. So we can put enormous amounts of effort into a relationship sometimes and, and be doing the wrong things. Like who hasn't, who hasn't had the experience where you have received a gift and it's like, you feel embarrassed. You maybe even feel some shame about it, but it's like, that's the wrong gift, man. <laughs> like, I feel lonelier receiving it than even if I hadn't received it. And of course it's then complex emotions because you feel like, I mean, how ungrateful is that? And how, why sure. should I? I should feel so bad about that. I mean, so of course, they're just trying to do something nice and so on. So it's all this complex inside. But what it really is, what that emotion is, and I think we are supposed to feel it, is I'm not known. I don't feel known. And that is a need. It's not, it's not nice to have. We always say, oh, it's mm-hmm. nice to eat. It's nice to drink. It's nice to be known. We need to be known. And really, like, if we don't, if we don't understand that or admit that and don't find ways to have that need met, it will come out in uglier ways. You can ignore it. It will not ignore you. And so this is like the breakthrough. When, when, you, when you can break through and develop the mindset and the skills to be able to understand others precisely, who they really are and what really matters to them and what doesn't. And, and you can also learn the skills to be able to communicate yourself what really matters to you and what doesn't your uniqueness, that's the breakthrough because then suddenly relatively modest effort can bring forward relatively amazing outcomes. You can make people mm. glow if you, if you understand what matters. And who, who hasn't had the conversation? Oh my goodness, I'm trying, I'm doing so much. I'm doing all this, I'm doing all this for you. And the other person, yeah, but I don't care about that stuff. You know, mm. oh, oh, that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm working all the time. I'm making all this. I'm doing all these things. I'm making all these sacrifices. It's like, yeah, but all I want to do is spend time with you sitting down listening. You know, let's drink tea together. And, and that's all I want to do. It's like we don't get to those conversations. We don't understand how to say what we really want 
and listen in a way that we can make it safe for other people to say what they really want. You know, we're rubbish at figuring out what each other wants. Seriously, we don't want to say it. It's vulnerable to say it because we can feel very rejected if we say what we want. Uh, so this to me is what essentialism and effortless looks like in relationships. Mm-hmm. And I can see how clearly they work together as well as knowing yourself, which I could not separate from what you just shared. There is that is an essential need too, is knowing and seeing yourself and what you want and who you are and what you need and what matters to you. We've been doing this, uh, this fun, well, I say it's fun exercise, you know, psychology is for nothing if it isn't to sort of um, torture your own children. And, and <laughs> so, and so I, I have a norm when I'm reading and studying and researching is, is I, as soon as I've learned something, I want to practice it instantly, immediately. I'll mess it up and I don't care. I just want to try it because mm-hmm. I'll learn more in the trying of it than just kind of, you know, and, and one of the things that we've been trying out as a family is whenever there's like a little conflict, uh, you know, contention with our children, they're all teenagers now. And I'll say, I will say, okay, okay, pause. I say, what do you feel and what do you want? Hmm. And you know what happens every time is it's exactly the same every time. If this body language and both people will do it, they're just like, they literally, they, they put their head down. Not in shame, just like, it's like in thoughtfulness, like, huh. Hmm. So here they are having an argument. Here there is some contention. And when I say, what do you feel and what do you want? They don't know. Isn't that strange? What an oddity. Like, what are they arguing about? So they'll pause. And then, then literally the coaching is, I feel X, I want Y. And, and what it does is that as then somebody says how they feel and what they want, first of all, the saying what you feel produces humanity, right? Like it draws forth the heart of the other. Hmm. you go, oh, I don't want you to feel that. Nothing in my intent is wanting that feeling in you. You know, the conflict is not, is not about trying to make you feel whatever this you know, negative emotion is. And then when you say, this is what I want, it's not what I wanted because no one can do anything about that. I want this. Hmm. It educates them. And I'm telling you that simple thing is like an instant change. And, and, and with some people, you may have to practice that for a while. That's what I found because they may, you know, you, you, people listening to this, chances are they are not good at saying what they feel and what they want. And it, a little like a 202 like guide on this is that most times when, when people say, I feel this, actually, they're not going to say a feeling. I feel that you're being really irritated. <laughs> that's not a feeling you know so people sometimes say i feel that you should this i feel that you're doing that it's like what do you actually feel i want you to name an emotion so you have to go inside how do i feel right now i feel hurt i feel you know angry i mm-hmm. feel what do you feel you got to give an actual emotion and i want this so then somebody can do it and people don't know People don't know what they want. How on earth are you supposed to know what the other person wants? If you do even that single change, I I think that has the power to, to quite positively affect any relationship you're in.
And it will help answer those two big questions. You know, what is essential and how can this be effortless? It's, it's being able to get clear about, about that because you can't make something effortless if you don't know what from this actually matters to me. So then I can let go of what is overcomplicating it. We, we do a lot of practical stuff, practical tips on the show, and we, we definitely go deep too. And this is kind of a trickier one to get practical about, but I'm sure in your years of research and writing and also implementing this, do you have any advice on how to make these, I guess, internalized expectations, these shoulds, how to weed through them in a way that it can be, uh, I don't know if easier is the right word, but maybe we can say easier since you're all about making things effortless. How can, yeah. How can we make it easier for them to weed through the shoulds? Yeah. I'll give you a few practical things. You could say, okay, every day answer the question, what's the most important thing I need to do today? priority, like single, what's the most important thing? Hmm. Nobody listening to this who only has one important thing to do. I understand that. But you say, okay, if there is only one, what is it? Hmm. And maybe you extend that out and you say, okay, if there were two or three really important things I could get done today, what would they be? And why that's so powerful and so immediately effective is it helps you orient the rest of your day. You will have distractions still. You will have unexpected things happen. All of that's true, but you'll have something to keep coming back to through the day. And it will help you orient all the other choices and decisions that you're facing. That's number one thing that people can do. Uh, Number two thing I would say related to that is to to then continue with that list until you have what I would call a done-for-the-day list. So you say, okay, when these things are done today, I will be able to feel satisfied. Like these were important, these were good, and I can be done. And then after that, it's no sneaky work. That's what Anna and I call it with each other anyway. No sneaky work. When we're done with those, we're done. Now, what do you do after you're done is number three, which is you have to make relaxing a responsibility. And it is because it's the slingshot for the next day. Mm -hmm. So we've gone through like literally two birthdays, a birthday right before Christmas, a week before Christmas, Christmas, a birthday after Christmas. And of course, everybody knows, right, through the, you know, how much extra is going on through that season anyway, loads of other responsibilities and asks, right? So we've lived in that. But we also felt that we needed to move into, uh, into, into a house and basically move. And in the same period, and we felt very clearly we needed to do that. Now, that's kind of a recipe for a disaster, right? And, and, and so, and so, but this relaxing the responsibility, my wife, Anna, who is, will, will only semi-joke that I wrote essentialism for me and effortless for her. It's not, I don't know that I did either of those things intentionally, but I think she's probably right. Yeah. So, we, we, you know, this idea of taking relaxing as a responsibility, at first when she and I would talk about this, it was like, she would say, I, I don't even know how to relax. And myself too. I mean, just, just because you've been told that word, hey, you should relax in life. It's like, where's the competence for it? You got to learn how to do it. Seems mm-hmm. strange, but that's just what I found. And so she made this a priority that she would try to find a way, like a routine, a ritual of relaxation through this whole move process. I mean, it's a very positive thing, but there's no question that that could be completely overwhelming. And, and, and then if you get burned out through it, then that all adds to multiplicity of complications. And so her ritual includes like, I mean, it's all the familiar stuff. So it's not like brain science, but, but, but like actually having a bath every night, like I'm doing it. I've stopped mm-hmm. no more sneaky work. I'm in there and I'm not, and I'm going to read when I'm in there. I'm not 
on my laptop or on my phone or ordering something from Amazon, right? Because it's very tempting to do all of that. I'm actually reading, right? And, and we have a, there's a whole series. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Yeah, Georgette Pyre. I probably shouldn't share that. Maybe she was right, rather not people know that. <laughs> okay. The whole great series. No, no, there's nothing wrong with that series. Sure. Other than it's like kind of, you know, British, you know, these, uh, these, these brilliant novels. It sounds but, exactly what I want. Yes. Well, actually they are quite entertaining. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, I like them too, but the, but, but uh, so she's reading Georgia Hire, she's reading a book like that. And she's maybe even doing a little meditation there. I'm telling you, this is true. This is personal. This is for real. At the end of that, she's like a different person. And yeah. I don't mean she's got into a bad state. I mean, she has removed a whole predictable exhaustion and pattern from what would otherwise happen. I mean, that, that of course it would happen. It's predictable. Hmm. And so that decision, that choice, that trade-off, I am going to make relaxing irresponsibility. I'm going to make it a ritual that is enjoyable means that by the end of that, she's relaxed and she gets to go, okay, I get to actually, you know, go pray, go sleep. And, and it, it really has made all the difference. I mean, it's a bit of a challenge what we signed up for, but it's, it's taken off all those sharp edges that, that a big transition could have brought about. Now that's, so I don't know what number we're on, but I think that's number three. You know, do you want more or should I, should I stay at three? Well, want? I mean, I could keep asking you to talk more and more, but what I almost feel like is we've gotten a great preview of your next book, which was <laughs> accidental, but I will take it. I'm excited for that. You know, I, what I love so much about this whole conversation, Greg, is just how every, it turns everything on its head in ways that I think the whole world needs right now. And I appreciate that you were willing to really focus on my audience of women, especially for this, for this chat, but this is not about superficial productivity. This is not about putting work and responsibilities on pedestals that really are prisons. This is about relationships and it's about rest in a, in a wonderful way that I don't see out there very much. So I, I want to thank you for, for being so willing to have this conversation for all the work that you're doing. And if there's, if there's one very small way you think the listeners could, could start on our whole conversation today, one small way they could start, what do you think that could be? I would say, uh, say no to one thing. And I've started doing something recently where I will actually put my, make, do my planning in a, in a digital document and I'll all the things that are done, I'll put in a done list because that's like satisfying to me to see the things that got done. Yes. But also a don't do list. But I mm -hmm. said no to. Mm -hmm. And there's a few reasons to do that. But one is it's so empowering to recognize you can choose not to do it. Good things, sometimes exciting things that you just go, I, I should want to do that, but I don't. Or other people would think that was good, but I just, it feels too much right now. And just put it on that list. I don't, we're not doing it. Don't do list. And then over time, when you look at that list, you go, wow, I can do it. I actually have more say hmm. control in my life than, is, than I, I feel. We often get so reactive that there's a sense of like our life is running us rather than us, you know, designfully, thoughtfully, deliberately, you know, living it. And, uh, and, and I, I think that's, I think that's a very simple way you say, say no to something, put it on a, put it on a, we're not doing it list and then just keep adding to it and, and, and see how that will reveal to you 
what you really prioritize and who you really are. And you, most of the items, not all, but most of the items on those lists, you can see, you know, you could even go back to if you really wanted to, but it's a good, simple way to start. I love how intentional you even were about the advice. You know, I wish I could see you taking your time to really think that through. It means a lot to me that you would. Greg, this was amazing. I, I will make sure to link to your new book, Effortless, as well as Essentialism and your Instagram profile. Is there anywhere else you think people should go if they want to delve more into your work? Other resources available to people for free. People can sign up for the One Minute Wednesday newsletter. It comes out every Wednesday. It's one minute to just kind of give you a very specific thing you can think about and then act upon immediately. They can sign up at that gregmcewan.com. And then of course, there's a, there's a, the podcast as well, the What's Essential podcast. And, and that comes out once a week as well to continue these conversations. Yes. And I've, I've really loved when your wife has been on the show too. It's, it's fun to hear her, her voice every now and then, but it, it's a great work that you're doing. We do, by, by popular demand, it's now once a month that we're doing and we're calling them the Q&A episodes. Because I love that. Answering questions, but also my nickname was Q growing up and when we first met and we first married and, and of course her name is Anna. So Q&A. Oh, it's cute. Cute. It might be too cute. <laughs> Get go that. with it. Go with it. You got to go with it. We're, we're doing it anyway. Good. Good for you guys. Well, thank you again. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Bye for now. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow. I want to do a special thank you to one of our progressors, Rebecca, who made use of her connections and made this interview possible all out of the goodness of her own heart. So thank you, Rebecca, for helping us get Greg on the show. Here are the progress pointers from this episode, and this is where I share some notes that you don't have to take. And those on my go-getter newsletter get this in a graphic form each week. Number one, we must learn to guide our lives with these two defining questions. What is essential? How can I make this effortless? Too easily, our priorities are drowned out by a hustle culture that leads to burnout. There's a better way to prioritize that lies outside of all or nothing extremes. Two, too often our responsibilities overwhelm our ability to show up to our most important relationships. We must get real about what we want and need, as well as those that matter most to us too. Number three, as part of essentializing and making things effortless, trade-offs are necessary. Learn to celebrate what you're saying no to so that you can say more important yeses. Consider making a no list. And number four, make rest an important priority in your life. No sneaky work make relaxation a ritual that happens often in your life. Your do something challenge this week is to say no to something as Greg so kindly is pushing us to do. You can share about how that goes with me in a DM or an email, or you can just share about it openly on social media and tag me. And from those submissions, I get to highlight a progressor each week. This week, we get to spotlight Kristen Walker-Smith And last week, we talked a lot about procrastination, and this is what she said, quote, I've been pondering today how tiny moments of hesitation have sometimes turned into procrastinating who I want to become, unquote. Kristen, yes, that to me is the biggest problem with procrastinating. And you can listen to last week's main episode if you want to know more about that. 
Was this episode helpful for you? Here are two quick and easy and free ways for you to in turn support the the podcast. Number one is to share about the podcast with your friends and family. And number two, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Just pick one of those. It doesn't have to be both. But my friends, I need you. This podcast cannot grow without you. Thank you so much for listening. Now go and do something with what you learned today. Next, Greg will share more about how to essentialize and make your blah, blah, blah. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.